0: I've been through a lot um, in my life, whether, you know, my eating disorder, I, you know, in adulthood, I went through infertility troubles and had to do IVF, which then caused me to get insomnia because of just the stress and and anxiety of it all. So, you know, all of those things are are, have been devastating and hard Um, and I've had to relinquish a lot of control. And as, again, a perfectionist, type A, you know, anxious, prone person, control has been a driving factor in a lot of my my challenges in life. Um, And so I think motherhood um, has softened me and forced me to let go of a lot of control. (laughs) Abby Sharp, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to
1: have you. For those who don't know, and I'm honestly going to read this off of my notes because you've done so much that I want to make sure that I can get this all. Abby is a registered dietitian, food and nutrition blogger, an award-winning cookbook author of the Mindful Glow Cookbook, a YouTuber that has over like 615,000 subscribers last time I checked. And the founder of Abby's Kitchen, which is a food and nutrition and motherhood media brand, a consulting company. Did I miss anything? Is or do you also like run a nonprofit that I
0: don't know about? Uh, not yet, but it's definitely it's definitely on the bucket list. So lots more lots more in the works, but that 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 works for now. Tell us a little bit about
1: how you started your company, how this all came to be. I became a dietitian,
0: I guess it's been, oh God, I, I lose track of time, especially now that I'm a mom and my brain doesn't work anymore. But like, it's probably been 12 years, 15 years, somewhere in that neighborhood. I don't even remember how long I've been paying fees for. But, um, <laughs> you know, I I always knew that I wanted to kind of work in communications and media. And back back then, there wasn't anything, like there were, like YouTube was a thing, but it certainly wasn't a thing in the wellness space like it is today. Um, you know, YouTube was just kind of like uh, the OG days, say with like, t- there's no TikTok, there was no Instagram, even blogging was like basic blog spot type blogs. There wasn't even a WordPress situation. So these are early days. And, but I always knew that I wanted to kind of work in media communications because growing up, I had an arts background, a performing arts background. Um, I did, you know, TV, I did stage work, I did, you know, uh, you know all the things: acting, singing, dancing, the works. Um, and so it it was a natural progression for me to to kind of work in this space and and roll out in, in the kind of YouTube world and then you know TikTok and social media and all that stuff as it became available. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's just kind of it kind of started out as more of like a hobby and then it became my career. So I'm obviously very lucky and grateful that that I've had that opportunity.
1: Well, you've done incredible things with the platform. When did you start getting into specifically like nutrition and the intricacies of how we fuel our
0: bodies? Like a lot of dietitians actually. Um I suffered from an eating disorder when I was in my late teens, you know, kind of trickling into early 20s. Um but I was in kind of recovery at that stage. And so there's actually very high rates of disordered eating and eating disorder in nutrition. Um uh, education or nutrition students become dietitians, I think probably because we're like obsessed with nutrition and wellness and food. And so we think, oh, then I would rather that become my whole career and make a make a whole life out of it. Um, and uh, and and that's we throw ourselves into that career. And thankfully, um, you know, I was able to uh, go through recovery and, and get better and become the person and the the um, kind of more anti-diet dietitian that I am today through my own experiences um but you know it, it actually started out uh, as kind of a disorder to be honest um and I was you know I, I went through nutrition school I became a dietitian I went through recovery during that process um, and I got to the other side realizing that you know society's obsession with nutrition which was, something that I had experienced firsthand, which actually drew me to the space, was doing so much more harm than good. I was better off knowing nothing about nutrition than everything about nutrition. Because, you know, and and that's unfortunately the state of where a lot of people are, never mind students that are studying nutrition. It's like everyone on social media is a nutrition expert or a nutrition guru or a nutrition health coach, etc. And so there's so much spreading of mis and disinformation in this space that, you know, seeing and experiencing firsthand the damage that that does um, and hearing from so many young, vulnerable women, especially girls, um, about what the messages that they've consumed online has done to them and their relationship to food and their health, I have really made it my mission and my career to dismantle a lot of this diet culture and help people kind of safely unpack it, in, it online.
1: As a 90s kid who grew up with mm-hmm. like 100 calorie packs and I'm trying to think, Weight Watchers was big. Oh, yeah. um, everything like was about the calories in something. Everything was about
0: low fat, no sugar. Low fat oh, low fat it, margarine, like yeah, low fat everything. butter, low fat cheese. Low fat cheese is just raw. I'm sorry. It's not it's even cheese. cheese, cheese. Why does it exist? It's just. I couldn't
1: agree. M- no. And. I mean, the things we used to eat in the name of health, since watching your videos and since myself trying to become more educated in my nutrition, I'm just like, why did I ever put myself through that? And mm-hmm. I love that you just go through these fads, these trends, and you just go down to the science of them and mm-hmm. like help us all understand them from an actual scientific perspective. Was there a certain like video or? experience that like made you think like hey i gotta i gotta set the record straight here
0: there actually was um and yeah there was something that really just turned the whole thing on um but basically i don't know if you're familiar with freely the banana girl um she this was like i don't even know almost like 10 years ago maybe eight years ago i'd have to check my my data like on my my you know my analytics or whatever but um there was this video circulating um, and like a lot of these videos circulating about this raw vegan frugivore. Um, and a, a frugivore is a, veg, a vegan, but only eats fruit. So really focusing high carb, no fat, no protein, just mass amounts of fruit. And there's a lot of TikTokers now who are also in that, in that space. Um, but there was a really heavy focus on this about, you know, eight years ago or so. And I saw this video of a beautiful Australian woman, fit, blonde, you know, just talking so much about how she healed her relationship with food by eating a fruit-only diet. And she was eating for breakfast like a case of mangoes or, or like literally, I don't even know, 20 oranges with dates in a smoothie that was literally the size of a Vitamix. And I was like, oh, my gosh, gosh, I have to say something about this, because when people see a beautiful fit person uh, saying this is what I did for my diet. And it's something so extreme. And they are saying, I ate like this and look at my body. I look amazing. Don't you want to look like like me too? And it was so explicit. It wasn't even implicit like it is kind of today with like the body checks and the wedding of days. It was like, this is what I ate. And you can look like this too. If you take on this raw vegan diet and you can buy my book. And so I saw this and I thought young people are going to do this and they're going to get very, very, very sick. And I made a response video essentially. And that really took off because there were a lot of people talking about this creator, a lot of people talking about this diet. How could it be healthy? How could it not be healthy when she looks like this? And so, um, that's what kind of took up my like that's really what what set my career in motion was that what I in a day review and then that kind of became part of my one of my kind of usual formats for my YouTube videos
1: that's so interesting and thank you from all of your fans for doing that because <laughs> truly there it, there is so much information out there and there are so many influencers and people who you say this a lot like their genetics are just made up in a certain way that they look a certain way. And we could all eat the same way and we're all going to look different. And it is like so dangerous for these young impressionable people to be watching these videos thinking, oh, if I just eat exactly like them, I'm going to look like them. And a lot of times they're not eating enough. They're not eating the right yep. things.
0: Yep. And it's just dangerous. And the other point is that I think, you know, what people don't notice or realize is that social media is not real life. It is a highlight reel. It is heavily curated. It is heavily edited. So when we see these what in a day videos from influencers, um, we actually have no clue if that's what they're actually eating. We don't know what they eat the day before, what they're going to eat the day after, whether or not they finish that food, whether or not they eat more food. Like we know nothing. We are seeing a very edited clip that they want us to see and nothing else. So I think it's really important that people um, who are watching watching this content be, you know, critical consumers, knowing that um, we know very little about what's going on behind the scenes. And it really doesn't matter, ultimately, because they're different than you. You're different than them. And yeah. so that's one of many reasons why we shouldn't just be copying people, uh, people's diets without doing kind of any any research or or, um, you know, thinking about it in the context of our own needs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I mean, I love what an, you know, what I eat in a day videos just for like recipe ideas. And mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting to see like how different people nourish themselves. And I think if you're mm-hmm. looking at it from a standpoint of like ideas or inspiration, totally fine. And there is yep. definitely a space for it. The problem yep. comes when you try and follow it to a T. And like you said, the people that are posting it probably don't even
0: follow it to a T. So. Exactly. Yeah. Just, no, I I love what I made too, because I was like, oh, that's a, like, you know, you get to see in real time people making recipes that aren't just like perfect hands and pans kind of yeah. style. Like it feels more yeah. real and they're really like, oh, I can do that. Um, but yeah, when it becomes a prescription for how another person should eat, it's definitely problematic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've had a lot of experiences throughout your life. You You talked about an eating disorder. You have built this successful company. You've interfaced with a lot of influencers, probably had a lot of feedback from that. Mm-hmm. What throughout all of your life so far has been, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this in a two-part because you have two expertises. What has been the best advice that you've gotten about fitness and nutrition and feeding your body? And also I'll ask the best advice from more from a more personal standpoint as well.
0: So personal, I would say, I mean, there's a lot of really important things because, you know. I'm a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. And, you know, just as my personality, I'm a type A perfectionist. And that's something that I've really always struggled with. So, you know, I've talked a lot about my channel, about my own mental health experiences and journey. So obviously I suffer from eating disorder, but I've also suffered from anxiety my whole life. And that's manifested itself in different ways, including my eating disorder. Um, But a lot of that centers around this idea of being a perfectionist and a people pleaser and very type A. And I remember when I was in um, university, I think, um, maybe even grad school, and my father, who's also, I would say, a perfectionist um, and academic, he said to me, though, he said, Abby, if you expect yourself to always be on this top tier pedestal, you will have nowhere left to grow. You will always just, you know, where are you going to grow from here? And I think that that always stood with me. It really clicked with me um, and helped me kind of like let go of some of these perfectionistic tendencies. Um, it's really helped me take risks. It's helped me a- allow myself to make mistakes and learn from them and just to do scary things. I mean, just as a, you know, as an example, me even taking on this career was a very scary uh, jump for me. Because I was actually on a full scholarship to go through my master's and PhD in the sociology of food. Um, I had everyone rooting for me because I had a very prestigious scholarship behind me. I was the top student in my graduating class as a dietitian in, in nutrition school. And I I just felt like there was a lot of pressure on me to, to go all the way as an academic because, you know, I, I come from an academic family. Um, you know, I surround myself with a lot of academics and I really was interested in science and and I was smart and so I felt like you know doing anything but that would be wasting my intelligence. but I was so, so miserable like I really was I would cry every day that I just I hated what I was doing, and so I took a very scary leap one day uh to turn my hobby blog, which was a you know a food blog at the time, and quit school quit my grad grad program which meant paying back all my scholarships and all of that stuff and um and go into this full time and, and jump into being a blogger and a vlogger full time even though I had no clue what I was doing and everyone around me said I was crazy my professors my program directors they were all like what are you going to do are, are you okay you're going to be a blogger instead of ha- get your phd and um, and I just had to stick to my guns because I knew that I was driving myself into the ground with these tendencies to just please everybody else but myself. And so, yeah, what my father had said to me just really has always resonated whenever I'm having kind of getting stuck in these perfectionistic thought patterns and, and behaviors. Um, and I just remind myself that, you know, you know, I'm human and I'm going to make mistakes. and And that's just part of the part of the part of the deal. And at the end of the day, like people, the world goes on and I still have a job and I still have a family that loves me and a silver roof over my head and my kids are happy and healthy. I must be doing okay. So, you know, it's definitely helped me not sweat the small stuff.
1: The best advice you've gotten about fitness or nutrition or balance Mm. in your life in that aspect.
0: I was so, so lucky that when I was doing my undergraduate degree in nutrition, I had an amazing mentor named Jackie. She was also a registered dietitian and one of my professors. And she taught me a lot about, um, about intuitive eating, the concept of intuitive eating. It was not really something we were taught in school. Um, because, you know, for those of you who don't know, intuitive eating is not a diet. It's, it's a, a stepwise framework, um, for helping people to get more in tune with their body's true needs and, and, um, practice self love and self care and, um, Reject the diet mentality. And so I think having her there to kind of guide me through these tenets of intuitive eating while I was still kind of holding on to diet culture and some of my past disordered eating ways was so important for my own recovery and helping me to almost shed this obsession with nutrition. And I actually took a break after I finished becoming, after I graduated, I became a dietitian. I was almost so, like, I wanted to just rebel a little bit against the whole system. And I kind of took a break off of writing anything related to nutrition. I I became um, a strict food blogger. So I was going to restaurant events, media openings. I was eating tacos every night and drinking cocktails every night. I wanted nothing to do with nutrition. And I, and that was a really good way for me to kind of reset my relationship with food um, and to kind of just get better perspective on what actually matters and learning how to better listen to my body and fuel my body without that nagging um, voice always saying, oh, you know, that's too many calories or that's too high in fat or too many carbs, etc. Um, so just teaching me a little bit about how to uh, listen to my body was really, really important. And that's something that, of course, now on my own channels, um, has become a really big focus of my work.
1: I love both of those <laughs> stories, both of those pieces of advice. I, um, I am also quite a type A person, and I feel like sometimes if I don't do it perfectly, it's not even worth doing it at all. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I do love that advice, because if we were doing everything perfectly, our lives would probably be over because that would just be yeah. the end. The you're, whole you're point you're is good. to grow.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. And life becomes very boring when you try. When you when you eventually reach, like, basically, you've got two choices. Life is very boring because you're perfect, or you're miserable because you're trying so hard to be perfect. And neither of those seem like very good lives to me. So I've just kind of accepted I'm going to live in the gray and make mistakes and try to have fun in the process. I love that. I love that. Do you have, and this
1: is kind of similar to the best advice you've gotten, but from your perspective, do you have a biggest lesson that you've learned through one of the hardest times of your
0: life thus far? I've I've been through a lot um, in my life, whether, you know, my eating disorder. I, you know, in adulthood, I went through infertility troubles and had to do IVF. Which then caused me to get insomnia because of just the stress and, and anxiety of it all. So you know, all of those things are, are have been devastating and hard. Um, and I've had to relinquish a lot of control. And as again, a perfectionist type A, you know, anxious-prone person, control has been a driving factor in a lot of my ch- my challenges in life. Um, and so I think motherhood um has softened me and forced me to let go of a lot of control and you know the IVF infertility process was just kind of like the the introduction to better learn how to to not be able to control everything because it's like you know it doesn't matter how hard you try or how perfect your diet or how perfect you know how healthy you are at the end of the day i was still not in control of my fertility, or at least that's what it felt like at the time. You know, we, we put the money into the IVF, and I did the work, and I did the acupuncture, I took the supplements, I took the drugs, I was there every morning. And it was like, I still wasn't getting pregnant. And so I think you just realize that, you know, the universe does things its way, and you can't have full control. And if you want to pretend to have full control, you're going to be miserable just trying to hold on to that control. Because eventually the balls will drop. And when I had kids, the balls dropped. And I, you know, used to be a very, very, um, uh, very organized, always on top of everything, always on the A game. And then I had two kids and my team can attest to this, that I, a lot of things just, my brain doesn't function the same way anymore. And there's just so many, so many things that I'm trying to juggle. Um, and I just had to kind of let go of, of, that that need to control every single little aspect of my business, of my kids, of my life, etc. And my body is, is as well. So, you know, I, I, I just kind of had to say enough is enough is, you know, good enough is good enough, basically, is what I've come to realize in, in a lot of this. Um, and it's just been really good for my mental health to come to that realization because I've been able to relinquish a lot of pressure that I used to put on myself to do everything perfectly, to be the best mom, to be the best wife, to cook the most elaborate meals. Now I'm like, whatever, we can Uber or like we can throw a rotisserie chicken uh, in the microwave and that'll be good. That'll be great. And and I feel good about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I not everyone can obviously like just have kids to in order to re- help themselves relinquish control. But I do think that um coming to that realization earlier on in my life would be very 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 helpful.
1: Yeah. Hey, and the kids will still survive with the takeout. Yeah, they're
0: and- good. They don't care that like and, my kids they're not going to think any different of me if I give them a rotisserie chicken versus bust out my Ina Garten book and next. roast one from scratch, right? So at the end of the day, the, the kids will be all right.
1: The kids will be all right and you will be all right. I love it. Right. And- A lot of your videos, you talk about how like we demonize certain ingredients and you talk Mm -hmm. about like how um, the dose is the poison, really. Like Mm -hmm. it's not about eating these every once in a while. It's about making it like a regular part of your diet. And I think it's similar to just the way we live, like Mm -hmm. doing things once in a while is not going to ruin our entire rhythm. And I think when you're a perfectionist, you just think like, well, every day has to be either the same or better than the last. And like, that's just not how life works. It's no. just ever changing. Our bodies change, yep. we change, and we will drive
0: ourselves crazy trying to prevent that. Exactly. I mean, the especially because we're not the only people in our own universe. So that we're constantly interacting with other people, other places, and that's going to change the dynamic of everything in our life. And I think we just, the sooner we can figure that out and realize that, I think the much better we will be in terms of our mental health. Um, and I th- I don't think it helps our the generation, you know, gen-, gen Zs and millennials who are constantly bombarded with perfectionist, you know, perfection imagery on social media all day that they think that that's the expectation, that that's real life. It, I think our whole generation is a real up, uphill battle when it comes to, you know, managing expectations for themselves.
1: What advice would you give to this younger generation of people who are growing up largely on the Internet, largely surrounded by influencers and people who, like you said, we only get the highlight reels from? What would you tell them if they're struggling
0: to measure up? I mean, again, I think it's just a real important reality check to know that that's not real life, Um, that even the most micro influencers out there, the basic content creators who have small amounts of followers but maybe had a viral video that you came across on your for you page it doesn't matter how big or how small they're also probably only showing the highlight reel it's not just the, the celebrities who've got a, a PR team behind them and so I think everyone just needs to to acknowledge that what they see is not what they get um, and to take breaks Honestly, if something is not serving you, if social media is causing you to feel a lot of social comparison and increasing your anxiety, which research suggests that it is, and research also suggests that it is increasing disordered eating behaviors and beliefs, um, take a break. Like, it's not worth it. It's not serving us in a lot of ways. Um, And I think there are just better ways to get our information and knowledge and education and there, and I'm saying that as somebody who works, you know, on social media, but I think there's just so much dangerous information that if, if it's, if it's triggering you because you feel like you are, are not measuring up, then get off for a little time being, take a little break and, you know, spend that time interacting with people and humans who actually make you feel good. And that's one of the reasons I actually love podcasts is because you can kind of curate the messages that, that you're hearing and seeing a little bit better than you can on something like, you know, TikTok or Instagram or something like that, where things are kind of being pushed to you. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that that's a really great way to um, just to kind of take a break, gain some perspective and and in, in that process, try to learn more about the things that bring you joy, um, whether that's actual like human interaction, a hobby, a sport, um, just spending time with your family, watching TV, etc., I think there are a lot safer places to get our entertainment, especially when we're feeling like it's not serving us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It seems like almost too easy of a solution. But yeah, it's so hard for a lot of people. Like oh, we're know. just so used to picking up our phones every three seconds. And yep. it,
0: it seems and, 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 and so easy. <laughs> I know it does. And so you know, to start, what I always recommend to people is to do like a social media, quote unquote, detox. Look through your feed, see if there are images or videos from particular people that you're following that are not feeling good to you and unfollow or silence them. Um, You know, don't feel bad about that. Curate a feed that just like gives you good vibes. And I think yeah. that that's totally fair. And if that means, you know, you stick to only looking at the people that you follow and not the, you know, suggested for videos and things like that on TikTok, I think that is the way to go. Then you're getting what you want, what you need and nothing else.
1: Yeah, no, that's such good advice. And honestly, a lot of times it's not even anything against the people that you're unfollowing. Like someone could be a lovely, beautiful person, but something about what they do or what they say is just not serving you in the way it should. Right. And like, it's I feel like I always feel like mean if I unfollow someone like, oh, well, that's not being unkind. And it's like, I think we all need to not take offense so easily and just be like, right. you know what, different people for different interests. And that's OK. Yeah.
0: Just like just go quietly. Like, you don't need to announce it. Yes. I, I'm unfollowing you because you said this. Like, I mean, content creators don't humans actually too, And these things hurt us, our feelings sometimes a little bit. I mean, they don't yeah. really hurt my feelings, but like <laughs> like you know, why be mean? Like, why? So just let's keep it positive and just be like, just a quiet exit is is all you need to do. Quiet exits are so Mm -hmm. underrated. Yeah, we love a good like Irish exit. Yeah, (laughs) we love
1: it. Irish. Okay, last piece of advice that you would give to someone about this is At least from what I've gathered from your videos, what I've really learned is just about like having balance in life. And Mm -hmm. I think that is something so many people struggle with. We either go 100% one way or 100% the other. Either it's like we're super healthy and super into these diets and then we spiral and we get out of them because we went too ham at the beginning. So what advice do you have to someone who is on this beginner's journey to finding balance in their lives, whether that be through nutrition, exercise, balance in general?
0: Yeah, it is such a hard, a hard thing because we we are constantly bombarded with these messages of the extremes, like the the carnivores or the raw vegans or the you know like calorie counting versus intermittent fasting. Like it's so. It's like diet has become on par and just as controversial as religion and politics and divisive as, as those, those concepts. So it is very hard not to go all in. But what my experience shows is that, you know, and I can, I can tell you, from, there's lots of data on this too, that if you go too hard, too fast, you burn out, you quit, and then you start all over again. There's no point in that. So when it comes to diets, you know I don't. I mean, it doesn't even whatever you want to call it, diet, lifestyle, how you're eating, etc. I always say if you can't pitch yourself doing this for the rest of your life, and be really honest with yourself, you shouldn't even start it. There's no point in taking a diet where you're like, why do we have to do this for 30 days? If a diet says it's only 30 days or like 12, 14 days or whatever, run. That's going to do nothing for you ever, ever. I don't even care if you have like a wedding coming up. What is the point of that? Like, really, then you've got a dress that doesn't fit you for the rest of your life that you just spent $300 on. So I say, if you can't do whatever you want to do for the rest of your life, don't do it. If you can't see yourself without bread for the rest of your life, don't go on keto. If you can't do without, you know, like cupcakes or whatever, you know, chips or whatever, then, you know, you've got to build those into your day. If you like your coffee, with lots of cream and don't let anyone tell you that you need to have a black because you are going to be miserable and you're not gonna keep it up. So that's really why I developed my framework called the hunger crushing combo. So this is basically an additive approach to nutrition. It's not restrictive. So we're not taking things away, we're always adding it to the diet. And what this does is it it takes you out of what we call scarcity mentality and it puts you into the state of abundance. Where you're not in, we're not constantly thinking about restriction, and therefore you're not feeling the need to overeat and binge and throw in the towel and start all over again. The cycle repeats. So if you love chip, no problem. Why don't we add some, you know, fiber, protein, healthy fats? Those are the hunger crushing compound to those chips to make it a more satiating and satisfying snack. And typically, what ends up happening here is that we kind of edge out some of the less nutritious ingredients or foods in our day without us feeling like we're restricting ourselves. So, I mean, that's been really helpful for a lot of people. Um, I get a lot of great feedback on the hunger crushing combo because, again, people are been dieting, restricting and cutting things out. And now all they need to do is think about, all right, how do I build a balanced meal that's actually going to satisfy me physically and also emotionally as well?
1: I've tried to focus on the hunger crushing combo a lot in my meals. And it's so helpful because I feel like you realize that it's not that you're eating like the wrong foods. You're just not eating the right foods, really, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Exactly. You know? And I
0: think that's and that's the mind sh- mindset, mindset shift. That's the real paradigm shift that people need to go into that. I need to think about what what are the foods that are actually going to serve me rather than yeah. what are all these bad foods that I can't have? Because we're like teenagers, right? You you tell us you can't have something. What are we gonna do? We're gonna do it anyway. We're gonna definitely sneak it. We're gonna we're gonna like, you know, wear the tube top just to, to school and then like take the sweater off. Like, I mean, that's what it's I did so when I was true. in high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: it's so true. Our brains are actually pretty predictable. And I I think when when we get scared that we're not gonna be able to have something, we want it that much more.
0: Correct. Correct. Yep. And and even even just the thought of having to be of not having something, we see all the time. I call it the—it's called like the Last Supper syndrome or the Last Supper mentality, where you know diet starts on Monday. So the thought of you not having all the things that you want, you go crazy. You binge. Yeah. You're just like, all right, I got to eat all the chips and I got to eat all the ice cream and that and you just go crazy before the diet starts because diet yeah. starts tomorrow. And so just that thought of restriction is enough to trigger overeating and a binge.
1: Yeah. No, I. I think that's such a beautiful non-diet diet. And I think yeah. um, it helps a lot of people like heal their relationship with food. Um, yeah. You have shared wonderful wisdom as I knew you would. I was so <laughs> excited. I'm like, ah, he's coming on my show. Uh, this has been a wonderful conversation and I hope I know that it will help a lot of people. And thank you so much for joining us. We want to be able to support you. And for those who weren't familiar with your work, who are listening or watching, Where can they follow you? Where can they go to find out more?
0: Yeah, so I'm at Abby's Kitchen, um, A-B-B-E-Y-S, Kitchen. um, And on all platforms, TikTok, you know, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I don't even know what else. Um, And then it's abbyskitchen.com and then also at Abby's Kitchen for YouTube. And I've got tons, like tons of videos. You can search literally anything, anyone. I've probably talked about it.
1: (laughs) Her videos are wonderful. They are informative, and they get down to the science and the facts, so you don't even have to wonder if it's just marketing jargon. Mm -hmm. I would highly recommend everyone watch it. Abby, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. And for everyone watching and listening, don't forget to subscribe to The Shift, and thank you so much for tuning in.